0: Okay, so we are doing Canto 7, Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 15. This is a chapter on instructions for civilized human beings. How are the civilized human beings supposed to live in this world? It's a, it's a very dicey term because civilized human beings, everybody seems to be civilized, but what does it mean to be actually civilized? So, Narada is going to tell Yudhishthira about it. So, let us see. Uh, Narada will continue. My dear king, some Brahmanas are very much attached to fructive activities. Some are attached to austerities and penances. And still others study the Vedic literature. Whereas some, although very few, cultivate knowledge and practice different yogas, especially the Bhakti Yoga. So, we are talking about Narada. Narada in the sense, he is basically... Uh, Narada is talking about the Brahmanas. A brahmanas, uh, like I said, you know, actually in today's day and age, Brahmanas don't exist. But we have to understand what it means by a person who is involved in the spiritual activities. How does he actually live? Now, a person desiring liberation for his forefathers or himself should give charity to a Brahmana who adheres to simple, in- impersonal monism, that is, Jnan Nishta. In the absence of such an advanced brahmana charity must be given to a brahmana addictive or fruitive activities. So those who are the worshippers of the divine, that is from the knowledge perspective, such type of people, those who are the knowers of brahma, from the knowledge perspective, hmm, those have to be given something. That means we can offer them a certain amount of gifts. Now if you don't find such a person, then you have to go, some, go to somebody, who is doing his spiritual duties while collecting money. Basically, he is doing his karma. Alright, so you can do that. During the period of the offerings, oblation to the demigods, one should invite only two brahmanas. While offering oblation to the forefathers, one may invite three. Or in either case, only one brahmana will suffice. Even though one is very opulent, he should not endeavor to invite more brahmanas, or make various expensive arrangements on those occasions. If one arranges to feed many Brahmanas or relatives during the Shraddha ceremony, there will be discrepancies in this time, place, respectability and ingredients. The person to be worshipped and the method of offering worship. This is during the Shraddha period. Shraddha period is a time when we observe the rituals that are going on for the dead people, you know. It's a, it's a period in time when you actually follow these rituals alright so one when one gets the opportunity of a suitable auspicious time and place one should with love offer food prepared with ghee to the deity of the supreme personality of godhead and then offer the prasada to a suitable person a vaishnava or a brahman this will be the cause of everlasting prosperity one should offer prasad to the demigods the saintly persons one's forefathers The people in general, one's family members, one's relatives and one's friends, seeing them all as a devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A person fully aware of religious principles should never offer anything like meat, eggs or fish in the Shraddha ceremony. And even if one is a Kshatriya, he should himself not eat such things. When suitable food prepared with ghee is offered to a saintly person, the function is pleasing to the forefathers and the Supreme Lord, who are never pleased when animals are killed in the name of sacrifice that means what see basically pure sattvic food needs to be offered Pure sattvic food needs to be prepared and sattvic food needs to be offered there's too much of light here no so persons who want to advance in superior religion are advised to give up envy of all other living entities whether in relationship to the body words or mind. There is no religion superior to this. We should never envy anybody. See this is basically a teaching for all civilized beings. A civilized person should never envy somebody else. You know somebody else has more or somebody has you know lot of wealth, lot of cattle, lot of things you know cattle. Now nowadays cattle is not uh, so important but too many houses. Or they have a lot of money, or somebody has got a greater job, a bigger job, a more position in life, so on and so forth. For such a person, can you mute it, please? Yeah. So for such a person, it is not required to be envious of another person. I mean, the rich person should not be envious of the poor. Poor should not be envious of the rich. Neither the ones who have more or have less both should not envy each other. Now why I said have more and have less? We will come to it very shortly. <laughs> Being, because of an awakening of the spiritual knowledge, those who are intelligent in regards to sacrifices, who are actually aware of the religious principles and who are free from material desires, control the self in the fire of spiritual knowledge or the knowledge of absolute truth. They may give up the process of ritualistic ceremonies. Only those who have reached the state of realization or those whose spiritual knowledge has been awakened see normal human beings are supposed to follow the normal path in this material world that means every ceremony everything that you are supposed to do for your you know in your own house or wherever you are supposed to do but only when you reach the state of spiritual perfection that time you can just drop the whole thing does not really matter Upon seeing the person engaged in performing the sacrifices, animals meant to be sacrificed are extremely afraid, thinking this merciless performer of sacrifice, being ignorant of the purpose of sacrifice and being more satisfied by killing others, will surely kill us. (laughs) Therefore, day by day, one who is actually aware of religious principles and is not heinously envious of poor animals should happily perform daily sacrifices. And those for certain occasions, with whatever food is available, easily by the grace of God. So, it is advised to follow a certain rules and regulations that are laid down, even by the, you know, by the Brahmanas, by, by basically the Vedic Shastras that are there. There are five branches of irreligion, appropriately known as irreligion or Vidharma. That means, that is not following the spiritual path or religious path. Religious principles for which one is unfit. That is Paradharma. Paradharma means somebody else's, not yours, somebody else's. Pretentious religion, that is Abhasa. We we create an illusion that you know. You know, creating an illusion, I know everything, whereas the person has absolutely no knowledge about it. Analogical religion, Upadharma we have a religion wherein you know we create a kind of a replication. Like you have you know, your hard drive replication you do. Exactly something like that. You replicate the things that happen in the material world and say oh this is how it is. No. You cannot do that as well. And cheating religion. You know chal Dharma. Chala Dharma means basically some people will say no you are supposed to do this sacrifice you are supposed to give one murgi you know maybe you are supposed you know, there are those kinds of people in this world, they will keep on telling you how many sacrifices you are supposed to do. Give 21 Naryals. Okay. You are supposed to give 10 kilos of rice. What nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. It's not, it's not. You think the gods are going to eat that rice or what? Basically, you are supposed to put some little. It is a sacrifice. Sacrifice means what? Only so much. But what these people do is, they will come and they will tell you that supposed to keep 5 kilos of this, you know get 2 kgs of ghee. What the gods are not going to be bothered with your 2 kg of ghee. Just little ghee is enough, you know, when you are doing this pujas and all that. <laughs> they give you one very long list and then they will tell you some rituals. You know, in, very strangely you will find that people, there are these people hand in hand they work. Like they will tell you, you know, oh, you have got this sarpa dosha and this one, that dosha, and this dosha, and rahu and ketu and God knows all those kind of things. Okay, suppose you are that means you are supposed to go to that place and get it removed. Tell me something, in today's day and age, you are staying, you are staying in some foreign country or some very big place. What kind of doshas are going to be there unless and until you go and eat the doshas from outside, then that loose motions will be there. Otherwise, no dosha, tosha, and all that. Okay, please understand, no doshas. So don't bother about all those doshas in this world. No, nothing is going to happen. Okay, but nobody follows the proper religion. Not even the people who are doing the puja. So why are you bothered about it? Just pray very nicely to the divine. You know, surrender at the feet of Krishna, and you don't have to bother about anything. Alright, so there are five religions that we just discussed. Religious principles that obstruct one from following one's religion is called Vidharma. Religious principles introduced by other others are called Paradharma. Other people, like say for example, some rulers which come from outside. In India, we have had a lot of rulers. That is, Alexander came from the north. Okay. He came from the northeast, a northwest. So he brought his religion. Okay. After that came Yengis Khan, he brought his religion from Mongolia, okay? After that came the Islamic people, that is the ones who came from Mughals, you know, Mughals. They brought their religion. After that the Britishers and the Christians, all they came, they brought their religion. Everybody brings their religion and everybody is supposed to change to that religion and follow that religion. That is something which is not advised. Why should you follow some other religion? Your religion is more than enough, religion is nothing but thinking about God only, why you want to follow any religion for that matter. Religious principles introduced by others are called Paradharma. A new type of religion created by one who is falsely proud and who opposes the principles of the Vedas is called Upadharma. That means somebody coming and telling you that your religion is not good. This happened during the time of Buddhism, the Buddhist people. I mean during the time of Buddha, when Buddha came and introduced the religion of his own, he told that Hinduism is corrupt, it's not good religion. And that is the reason why everybody, those who were there in India, they started converting into becoming a Buddhist. So these are the things that happen. An interpretation by one's jugglery of the words is called Chaladharma. A pretentious religious system manufactured by one who willfully neglects the prescribed duty of his order of life is called abhasa, a dim reflection of the false similarity. Abhas means you know, somebody who creates an illusory type of a thing. Hmm? But if one performs the prescribed duties of this particular ashrama or varna, why are they not sufficient to mitigate all material distresses? See your religion, your own varna dharma, and all that—they will definitely remove all the problems associated with this. Okay. So don't bother about getting into those kinds of illusory things. Hmm? Even if a man is poor, he should not endeavor to improve his economic condition just to maintain his body and soul together or to become a famous religionist. Just as a great python, although lying in one place, not endeavoring for his livelihood. Get the food, his need to maintain body and soul. One who is desireless also obtains his livelihood without endeavour. That means what? Just because somebody is offering you sops, you know. You join and I will give you better options. There are lots of people. You should read the newspapers, you know. Uh, there are lots of people who have said, you know, please come join me. I will, I will give you a new pathway towards God. These are crooks. They should, you should avoid those kind of people. Not get carried away by what they say. Because it's not going to work. It, it's, it's a stupidity. You should use your common sense and not get into it. Because then what will happen is you are after money or after some sort of a, you know, benefit. That is what you should avoid. One who is content and satisfied and who links his activities with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, residing in everyone's heart, enjoys transcendental happiness without endeavouring for his livelihood. Where is such happiness for a materialistic man who is impelled by lust and greed and who therefore wanders in the direction, with all directions, with a desire to accumulate wealth? What are the two most important problems in a human being? That is Kamini Kanchan as described by Ramakrishna Paramahansa. What does it say? Lust and greed. These are the two important problems which are there in every human being. We have to not fall prey to these kind of things. Alright? For a person who has suitable shoes in his feet, there is no danger even when he walks on pebbles and thorns. For him everything is auspicious. Similarly for one who is always self-satisfied, there is no distress indeed. He feels happiness everywhere. See, we always say, you you need to be satisfied with what you have. You need to be satisfied. God has given you sufficient, whatever that is given by God. He has definitely given with an intention that, you know, you should be happy in what you are getting. So, that is the idea. We should always be satisfied. It is like a person who is wearing shoes and walking in hot sand, or he is walking in the jungle, you know. All those thorns will go. But if you are wearing shoes, you will be protected. It's exactly like that. If you are wearing these shoes of your own wants and needs which have been satisfied, you will be okay. But the moment you remove your shoes and you walk barefoot, hot sand will burn you or the thorns will catch you. Something like that will happen for which you will demand shoes, isn't it? You will want shoes. My dear king, a self-satisfied person can be happy even with only drinking water. However, one who is driven by the senses, especially by the tongue and the genitals, must accept the position of a household dog to satisfy his senses. Normally what happens is, a person runs after things. But most of the time you will find that God doesn't give too many things. He gives only that which is necessary for the person. So you need to be satisfied with it is what Narada is saying. But if you want too many things. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. Too many desires. Then there are two things which a person has to succumb to. What are the two things that a person has to succumb to? The tongue and the genitals. Okay? You literally become like a dog, you know. And because of which, you know, they say, you know, So it's like that, you know, for an empty stomach, a person will do anything. Basically, lust and greed will come into the picture. So the man will be doing, willing to do anything for the senses because of greed for the sake of the senses. The spiritual strength, education, austerity and reputation of a devotee or a brahmana who is not self-satisfied dwindle, and his knowledge gradually vanishes. Those who have tried to learn spirituality, has been with a guru and has learnt a certain things. Normally when the person falls down to that level, or by carried away with the senses. You know what happens? The knowledge which has been gained over a period of time. See, the spiritual strength which the person has got, education which they have got, austerity which they have got, a reputation of a devotee, all this go away from that person. It completely dwindles. It becomes lesser, 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 lesser and it vanishes one day. The strongly bodily desires and the needs of a person Disturbed by hunger and thirst, Are certainly satisfied when he eats Similarly one becomes very angry The anger is satisfied by chastisements and his reactions But as for greed Even if a greedy person has conquered all the directions in the world Or has enjoyed everything in the world Still he will not be satisfied Those who are greedy I want more, I want more, I want more A person will never be satisfied Come whatever may Anger, you know somebody who has got anger After some time, the anger cools down, at least a little bit, little bit, little bit. Because the person will start thinking and he will calm down. But this thirst for money or power or sex or whatever, this will never go away from a person. A person can keep on, you know, craving for it for a very, very long time. It doesn't go away. Those who run after money, you know, I want more, I want more, I want more. They will keep on wanting more and more and more. They will never get satisfied. King Yudhishthir, many persons with varied experience, many legal advisors, many learned scholars and many persons eligible to become president of learned assemblies fall down into hellish life because of not being satisfied with their position. Again, the positions in this entire world like suppose you have become a, a manager, then a senior manager, then a general manager or whatever. See, in today's day and age, we do not have commander-in-chief and all that kind of position. Only the army and all have. But otherwise in the normal life, or as a government servant, think about it. Those who are the under-secretary, this secretary, that secretary, and then they want to become the ministers and so on and so forth. You think a minister is satisfied? He wants to become chief minister. And from chief minister he will say, No, now I want to rule the country. And then he wants to become prime minister. Being a small nobody, in the office somewhere down the line as a clerk or something from there he has gone to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and he wants to become the highest person in the country and then not being the highest person he wants to become the highest person in the world see the greed for that and the lust for such type of thing never dwindles it grows and grows and grows so By making plans with determination, one should give up lusty desires for self-gratification. Similarly, by giving up envy, one should conquer anger. And by discussing the disadvantages of accumulating wealth, one should give up greed. And by discussing the truth, one should give up fear. These are very important principles. He says, when you have lusty desires, which is basically about sense gratification, what are you supposed to do? Start becoming very, very stronger in that. Try to give it up envy when you are envious of somebody else oh that person has more this person has more that person you know that type of greed that comes into a person and envious of getting there because of which you get anger isn't it so you discuss with it with your own mind and with your guru then what will happen slowly your anger will calm down and you will become happy again one should give up greed, and discussing the truth one should give up fear By discussing spiritual knowledge, one can conquer lamentation and illusion. And by serving a great devotee, one can become prideless. By keeping silent, one can avoid obstacles in the path of a mystic yoga. And simply by stopping sense gratification, one can conquer envy. You should always talk with the spiritual people. When you talk with the spiritual people, keeping the company of spiritual people, you will become happy in life. That is basically the criteria. By good behavior and freedom from envy, one should counteract sufferings due to other living entities. By meditation in trance, one should counteract sufferings due to providence. And by practicing hatha yoga, pranayama and so forth, one can counteract suffering due to body and the mind. Similarly, by developing the modes of goodness, especially in regards to eating, one should conquer sleep. See, what happens is, when you eat too much, you like to sleep. Isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> so you can avoid those kind of things. Maybe you can eat in moderation. Sleep will not be there. <laughs> you will get only requisite sleep. Then, these are the different things by means of which, like a hatha yoga, pranayama and all, that will keep your mind and body in a very good condition. See, like I say, no, exercise is required. You can do aerobics, you can, you can do, go to the gym, that will also be fine. Or you can go for 6 km jog also, no problem. That is also going to be very healthy for you. Don't worry. These are the things which are going to keep you fit and fine. One must conquer the modes of passion and ignorance by developing the modes of goodness. And then one must become detached from the modes of goodness by promoting oneself with the platform of śuddha sattva. As this will be automatically done if one engages in the spirit, the service of the spiritual master with faith and devotion. In this way, one can conquer the influence of the modes of nature. So. When you have passion and ignorance, you can remove it by mode of goodness, sattva. When you have passion and ignorance, you should develop sattva. Those who are rajasik in nature, they should develop sattva. That means they should practice this religion of sattva. And then one must become detached from the modes of goodness by promising oneself to the performance of the shuddha sattva. Shuddha sattva means, still higher sattva by the way. Shuddha sattva means, see I am doing good, I am doing good, I am doing good, that also you need to give up. You have to be godly, you are supposed to become spiritual in nature. How do you become more spiritual? All this can automatically done if one engages the service of the spiritual master with faith and devotion. That means what? You have to become a disciple of a spiritual master. And the two things, two words which are very very important is faith and devotion. Always have faith in your master and have spiritual devotion for him. Then you can conquer these kind of things. The spiritual master should be considered to be directly the supreme lord because he gives transcendental knowledge of enlightenment. Consequently, for one who maintains the material conception that the spiritual master is an ordinary human being, everything is frustrated. is His enlightenment and his Vedic studies and knowledge are like bathing of an elephant. The spiritual master is to be revered He should be the person who normally gives enlightenment. So he should be revered, respected and given the position of the Supreme Divine Lord. Alright. He one who maintains this material conception. Now what happens is sometimes people get angry with the spiritual master. They go away from him. They say a lot of bad things about him. Such a type of a person, for him everything is frustrated. That person gets frustrated in this material world. The enlightenment and the Vedic studies and knowledge are like bathing of an elephant. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Lord Krishna is the master of all living entities and the material nature. His lotus feet are sought and worshipped by the great saintly persons like Vyas. Nonetheless, there are fools who consider Lord Krishna as an ordinary human being. Krishna is always treated like a normal human being. They look at Krishna and they say, this is a normal human being, he is not some great god or something like that. Why? Because nobody recognizes Krishna in this material world. Krishna means the Supreme Divine Consciousness. And nobody recognizes Krishna in the physical form. Because it's it's an illusion which he comes with. It's basically he creates a Maya which nobody is able to understand. Ritualistic ceremony, regulative principles, austerities and the practice of yoga are all meant to control the senses and the mind. But even after one is able to control the senses and the mind, if he does not come to the point of meditation, Upon the Supreme Lord, all such activities are simply labors and frustration. You may try whatever that you want, you know. Ritualistic ceremonies, regulative principles. Regulative principles means I am going to follow Vrata. Okay. I am not going to eat for 21 days. I only eat in the morning time. All those are, you know, ritualistic principles and we come up with these kind of things. Austerities and the practice of yoga. I do this. I get up in the morning. I do my pranayama. I do my sana. I do surya namaskar. You can do whatever you want, but if you do not control your senses and the mind and you do not meditate on the Supreme Lord, nothing is going to come to you. Think about it, when you are doing all your meditation and yoga, you are thinking of only what? McDonald's burger. What is going to happen? It's like that. You know, you are going to get McDonald's burger only. You are not going to get Krishna. So you have to meditate on Krishna. You are supposed to focus, be devoted to him, then only you will get. People have this habit, you know, they can, they, they say, I was meditating on this thing, on that thing. Okay. As professional activities of the business prophets, cannot help one in spiritual advancement, but are a source of material entanglement. The Vedic ritualistic ceremonies cannot help anyone who is not a devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One who desires to conquer the mind must leave the company of his family and live in solitary place. Free from contaminated association, to maintain the body and soul together, he should beg as much as he needs for the bare necessities of life. You will find that in my world also. There are those people who are actually following this path in a very, very natural way. They don't realize that actually they are following. The person actually stays alone. He is alone. He is not there with the family at all. There is no family association. And most of the time he is in the red. You will find his card is rod no money in the bank. Always people are asking him for money. This is how. And many a times you have to take money from somebody else to play somebody else. This this is how it works, by the way. You will not have this understanding. But if you actually look at it, this line is very much valid in today's day and age. As well. Hmm? My dear king, in a sacred and holy place of a pilgrimage, one should select a place in which to perform yoga. Yoga is union with God. The place must be level and not too high or low. One should sit very comfortably, being steady and equipoise, keeping his body straight and thus being chanting the Vedic Pranava. That means many a time meditation needs to be done on the Supreme Divine Lord. While continuously staring at the tip of the nose, a learned yogi practices the breathing exercise through the technical means known as Puraka, Kumbhaka and Reshaka. Now these are certain practices which those, if you really want to know them, I can teach you. It's not a difficult task. Controlling inhalation, exhalation and then stopping them both. You know the practice of taking breath, holding it, releasing it, again in a form, holding it, then you know that kumbhaka is the gap between the two. Hmm? in this way the yogi restricts his mind from material attachments and gives up all mental desires as soon as the mind being defeated by lusty desires drifts towards feeling of self-sense gratification the yogi must immediately bring it back and arrest it within the core of the heart so this is the technique which is given by Narada is also just practicing even in the Bhagavad Gita the same thing is mentioned you can practice it not that you can't but like he said you know it can be practiced by somebody but if you are basically a devotee of the lord then you just be a devotee of the Lord, don't bother about all these things. When the yogi regularly practices in this way, in a short time, his heart becomes fixed and free from disturbances like a fire without flames or smoke. When one consciousness and is uncontaminated by materialistic desires, it becomes calm and peaceful in all activities for one is situated in eternal bliss, blissful life. Once situated in this platform, one does not return to materialistic activity those who are truly and dearly interested in this kind of thing that is going towards reaching the sense straight, you know, to spiritual perfection they can follow this path but in today's day and age even if you follow this path you will still be hungry you will still think that I need food you will still think that I, I cannot be sitting in one place I need an AC, I need a heater I need something, I need all that is going to come it's like slightly a difficult task but it's the best task is to the best path is only for following the path of devotion one who accepts the sannyasa order now nobody has accepted a sannyasa order sannyasa order is the one who has renunciated who has given up everything and gone away ok such type of person we do not have in our group it gives up the three principles of materialistic activity in which indulges in the field of household life namely religion, economic development and sense gratification now, one who first accepts sannyasa but then returns to such materialistic activity is called vantasi or one who eats his own vomit. He is indeed a shameless person. Now there are many people in my uh, there were certain people in my group who kept on saying that I am a sannyasi. Sannyasi means giving up all the material things. Basically, you cannot have a family. Okay. Secondly, you are not supposed to bother about religious development, whatever that economic development. That means you are not even supposed to earn for your own living. Your livelihood is not supposed to come directly. Or sense gratification. You cannot go and, you know, wear good clothes, drive a car around, do all those kind of things which are necessary, you know, unnecessary. The person who is a sannyasi walks barefoot, wears a single pair of cloth, washes the same, comes back, wears the same thing, is begging for food and all those kind of things. You are not allowed to do any of those things. But if you have said that you are a sannyasi. And later on you go back into your material world. And then you become a material materialistic person. Accepting materialistic life. That means taking up a family and you know earning your money and so on and so forth. That person is called Vantasi. Basically who has given up that kind of a life. It is like a one who eats his own vomit. He is a shameless person. So first and foremost never try to go on that path. And even if by chance if you ever go don't come back. That is how it is mentioned. It's not right. But who can remain like that? Everybody is bothered by their own stomach, isn't it? Sanyasis who first considered that the body is subject to death, when it will be transformed into stool, worms and ashes, but who again gives importance to the body and glorifies it as a self, are to be considered the greatest rascals. That means, these same sannyasis who have become sannyasis. by the way, they thought that they have become sannyasis. Then they accept the materialistic life, and those who go and eat sir, all different kinds of stuff and enjoy their life. These kind of people, they cannot be called as the sannyasis. They are the people who are called the greatest of the rascals. If it is abominable for a person living in the grahastha ashram to give up the regulative principles, for a brahmachari not to follow the brahmachari vows while living under the care of a guru, or a vanaprastha to live in the village and engage in the so-called social activities, or for a sannyasi to be addicted to sense gratification. One who acts in this way is to be considered the lowest renegade. Such a pretender is bewildered by the internal energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and one should either reject him from any position or take compassion upon him, teach him if possible to resume his original position. Now he is talking about those who are grahastha. Grastha means those who are in the family. They are taking care of their family. They should never give up their family life. You know, they should continue to be there. Okay? They should never give up the regulative principles. The principles are important. You have to follow the rules and the regulations that are mentioned in the Vedas. You should follow that. Secondly, those who are brahmacharis, basically those who have joined a guru, you know, they have become a shishya under a guru. They should follow the rules and the regulations laid down by the guru. There are specific rules and regulations that you need to follow. Then, there are those who are vanaprastha, those who have gone away. If they come back, what is the point? And the last one, a sannyasi. Sannyasi is a renunciate, completely has given up. And he becomes a person who is occupied by sense gratification. All these people. Either we can try to tell them good things and don't do like this and all that. We can definitely try to tell them. The guru can also try to correct this kind of people. But if they do not want to, there is nothing in this world that can you know, make these people fall down on this earth. The human form of the body is meant for understanding the self and the supreme self. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, both of whom are transcendentally situated, if both of them can be understood when one is purified by advanced knowledge, for what reason and for whom does a foolish greedy person maintain the body for self gratification? Understand those who are on the spiritual path why are you giving this body that's the most important thing you should know why you, this body has been given to you this body has been given for a specific purpose the purpose is to reach god to do god's work in this world god has given us certain jobs you know that is called swadharma we is our dharma we are supposed to do our jobs what whatever god has given us so let us follow those paths and follow it to the t That is thing which has been granted to us. But there are people who are bothered about their food and various other things. No, those are the people who are running after sense gratification. I am sorry, those kind of people are not suitable. Transcendentalists who are advanced in knowledge compare the body which is made up of the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as a chariot. The senses are like the horses. The mind, the master of the senses is like the reins. The object of the senses are the destinations. Intelligence is the chariot driver and the consciousness which spreads throughout the body is the cause of bondage in this material world. The spiritual master will teach you that your body is the chariot, ratha, Dasharatha. right? Like that. This body is a ratha and then there is a consciousness, there is a senses, all these are there. Everything has been explained to you. All the five senses have been explained, where the gods are situated, everything, all this knowledge has been given to you. So treat it like that. That is the way in which you can get rid of your material bondage in this world. The ten kinds of air acting within the body are compared to the spokes of the chariot wheel. And the top of the bottom of the wheel itself is called religion and irreligion. The living entity is the bodily A concept of life, is the owner of the chariot. The Vedic mantra pranava is the bow. The pure living entity himself is the arrow and the target is the supreme being. So, this is a description of how you can treat your body. In the condition stage, one's conception of life are sometimes polluted by passion and ignorance. Passion and ignorance, you know, ignorance is related to tamas and passion is related to rajas, which are exhibited by attachment. Hostility, greed, lamentation, illusion, fear, madness, false prestige, insults, fault finding, deception, envy, intolerance, passion, bewilderment, hunger, and sleep. Those who are on these two pathways, you know, which are the ones, Rajas and Tamas. People, those who are ruled by Rajas and Tamas, these are the things which are actually ruling that kind of a person all these are enemies sometimes one's conceptions are also polluted by goodness these conceptions are also polluted by goodness sattva also a little bit comes into the play you may become slightly better in that you are a better villain in this world okay so (laughs) that's as long as one has to accept a material body With the different parts and paraphernalia which are not fully under one's control, one must have the lotus feet of the superiors, namely his spiritual master and the spiritual master's predecessors. By their mercy, one can sharpen the sword of knowledge and with the power of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's mercy, one can then conquer the enemies mentioned above. In this way, the devotee should be able to merge into his own transcendental bliss and then he may give up his body and resume his spiritual identity. Those who have fallen down on this path, of whatever these you know various things that 20 30 other things that i mentioned just now the only way of redemption is to catch hold of a spiritual master to be his disciple to be his devotee to serve him very well so that you will be able to get rid of this kind of material defacement the things that are going to spoil this life of yours and then you can reach the transcendental bliss by following the pathway that means your spiritual master and his masters. Ok, he also has somebody to actually look forward to. Follow that path, come to that spiritual life and get rid of all these contaminations that are there. Otherwise, Otherwise, if one does not take shelter of Achyuta and Baldeva. Achyuta and Baldeva? That is Krishna and Balram, Sri Krishna. Okay? Then the senses acting as horses and the intelligence acting as driver, both being prone to material contamination inattentively bring the body which acts as a chariot to the path of sense gratification. When one is thus attracted again by the rogues of Vyasa that is eating, sleeping, mating the horses and the chariots, drivers are thrown into the blinding dark well of material existence. And one is again put into dangerous and extremely fearful situations of repeated births and deaths. So it may so happen that all these senses and all, (laughs) they they will put you on the path of material contamination. That means you will be driven by material nature, saying that I want this, I want that, I want to get mad. So many things will come in your way. Then you are finished. Okay. Then you have your cycle of birth and death coming back. You are signing on the dotted line okay of your birth and death according to vedas there are two kinds of activities pravritti and nivritti pravritti activities involve raising oneself from a lower to a higher condition of materialistic life whereas nivritti means cessation of material desires pravritti progression we are progressing from one stage to the other from 100 rupees to 1000 rupees to from 1000 to 10000 like that you know your progression nivritti is getting out of all this nonsense. I don't want anything like that through pravritti activities one suffers from material entanglement. Some 10, 100, 1000, 10,000 lakhs, you know, person is entangled from lakh he wants 10 lakh, and from 10 lakhs he wants crore, from crore he wants more, like that. It keeps on growing. So that is pravritti, and he gets trapped in the material world. Nivritti? And by nivritti activities one is purified and becomes fit to enjoy eternal blissful life. Nivritti will take you towards God, pravritti will take you towards material entanglement. Have you, have you noticed there is no devil in this? <laughs> See in, our, in in any of the spiritual texts written over here, nowhere it is mentioned that you are going to the path of the devil. You know why? devil is you only. <laughs> the devil is in you there is no devil outside okay okay and that is the reason you can fall down on the path and falling down on the path means going on the wrong way that is the devilish path so don't bother about it there are no rakshasas and all these Their are is in you only you can go and fall down and become a rakshasa yourself does not matter you're not actually going to grow two teeth and horns and going to no nothing <laughs> nothing like that what is going to happen is you are going to become having a vritti a nature like that, villainous nature. Villainous nature is, I want more, like that. All right? The ritualistic ceremonies and sacrifices known as Agnihotra Yajna, Darsha Yajna, Purnamasa Yajna, Chaturmasa Yajna, Pashu Yajna, Soma Yajna are all symptomized by the killing of the animals and the burning of various valuables. Especially food, grains, all for the fulfillment of material desires and the creation of anxiety. Performing such sacrifices, worshipping Vaishwadev, performing the ceremonies of Baliharana, and all supposedly constitute the goal of life as well as constructing temples for demigods, building resting houses and gardens, digging wells in the distribution of water, establishing booths for the distribution of food and performing activities for public welfare, they are all symptomized by attachment to material desires. You know, we think that this is what is very very important. So you have Ga bhojan you know this all these people they have very big booths established sabko pani dete hai, sabko khane ko dete hai. you know big big things that happen i'm sure you must have seen especially if the mla has to win he will give all that isn't it there is an ulterior motive in that so understand this don't go for such type of things you don't get attached into all these kind of things don't go after any kind of yagya go don't go and kill animals don't go and do anything that is nonsensical in nature Don't run after material things. Don't go, oh, if you get this, if you do this, you will get this. There are people in India who will sell a chakra for 5 lakh of rupees so that you can get more money. Sorry sir, you are going to become a chakram. Chakram means mad. By falling into that chakra, of that chakra. Okay, don't get into that. Okay, so if you get into that, see what he is saying. Narada is telling you, don't get entangled in any of these things. Don't go for that public, you know, public feeding. I fed 500 people today. Sir, 500 ne ghar admi bukka usko Got it? Your mother, father or somebody is very very bukka, you give that person. It would mean that you have served 500 people. Don't go running after people. Your neighbor you can feed, okay? The person is poor, feed that person. Alright. You don't have to go and give some daan, punya and all that. Don't even try. No distribution of food and all. If you have too much, then you can give it to somebody who is absolutely poor. Don't give it to these kind of crooked people. Don't go and donate things in such type of places. Don't ever try. My dear King Yudhishthir, when oblations of ghee and food grains like barley and sesame are offered in sacrifices, they turn into celestial smoke which carries one to successive higher planetary systems like the kingdom of Dhumaratri Krishna Paksha, Dakshinam and ultimately the moon then however the performance of sacrifice descends again to earth to become herbs creepers, vegetables and food grains these are eaten by different living entities and turned to semen which is injected into female bodies thus one takes birth again and again I know this seems like a very odd kind of a thing Okay, okay. let me give you an idea there is one person called Bill Nye I don't know whether you have heard of him. Now this person says, we are all made from cosmic dust. The dust which comes from cosmic space. Okay. Then there are very great exponents of religion. Okay. They will tell you we have come from outer space. Sir, outer space only. No. When you burn some things, it will go in the air like dust. It then falls down. It is mixed with cosmic dust also. No. Alright. And so when it falls down, what will happen is, it will go in the plants and the plants will have that same DNA, RNA or whatever you want to and that human beings will eat. Naturally when you eat something, you are going to get that disease, isn't it? Now if you think this, I am talking bullshit and nonsense, do you know why the the governments all over the world are not allowing GM plants? Those who are farmers will understand. Genetically modified plants. You know the tomatoes are red, red in color you think they have become red because uh, they have become uh, pakka and all that sorry sir it is only dye if the mangoes have become yellow yellow nice one they are not yellow yellow they're dirty fellow why because they got genetically modified all right so don't get carried away by that the genetically modified things enter into our body finally you are going to give a seed to some woman no in the form of semen Sir, you think the cement doesn't contain all those things, GM modified and all that. Naturally, if you are, if you are taking a, a mango or something which doesn't have brains, so the child which is going to come out in the future from that lady, is going to be brainless child, autistic child and all those things that are there. You, you will feel, you know, okay, how, why, what is this? Isn't it like the smoking, it causes cancer. The Cancer can definitely spread. Today, AIDS as a disease. There is a problem there. H1N1, you know, all these kind of things that are happening in this world. Isn't that telling you something? All this happens because all the cosmic dust. But we think that this is all nonsense, you know. It doesn't seem like nonsense. So, Bill Nye is right in his own way, okay? We are all genetically modified creatures, we have come from outer space. Tomorrow we will have two antennas sticking out of our heads and we, then we will communicate telepathically with each other. Then Chiti doesn't have to go somewhere and connect to the internet, his antenna will connect directly. What? <laughs> Alright. A twice born Ramanadvija gains his life by the grace of the parents through the process of purification known as Garbhadana. Uh, am I right? Yes. There are also other processes of purification until the end of life where the funeral ceremony that is kriya, is performed. Thus in due course of qualified brahmana becomes uninterested in materialistic life, activities and sacrifice but he offers the sensual sacrifices in full knowledge into the working senses which are illuminated by the fire of knowledge. The Dadvija, basically those who follow the spiritual path. When they meet their master, oh by the way this line is modified by me, okay just now. <laughs> Think about it like this. When you meet your spiritual master, and when he initiates you into his dharma, basically initiation happens. You are given the Kan Mantra, you are definitely on the path. At that point in time, at that point in time, you are called a twice born. Because now you are no longer, your whole body is no longer with you. You are not the one who was there in the body before. Now you are a new person. See, those who, uh, those who become a sannyasi and all that, you know, they have to shave their head, remove their clothes, take a bath and come back and they are given a new name. Okay. Swami Raj Nanda or something like that will be there tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> So something like that, some new name will be given. That time you are twice born, that time you are given a new name. Because your old body is dead. So sometimes these kind of activities are done. Alright. I will complete it uh, today, alright, so you you may have to wait 5-10 minutes. The mind is always agitated by waves of acceptance and rejection. Therefore, all the activities of the senses should be offered into the mind, which should be offered into one's words. Then one's words should be offered into the aggregate of all alphabets, which should be offered into a concise form of umkara. Umkara should be offered into the point bindu, bindu into the vibration of the sound and the vibration into life where does the living entities who is all that remains, should be placed in Brahma, the supreme process, most supreme. This is the process of sacrifice. Offering one into the other. It is literally like you know telescopic cable. you know telescope you know on top of your uh, car that tick 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 it, it goes up you know huh? antenna, like the telescopic antenna, one is fitting into the other, the other. So when you close it it will become only so much. and you pull it out, it becomes big. So everything telescopes into Brahma. right? So he is mentioned over here what are the techniques? These techniques are simple but I mean complicated also because if you are not on the path then it is very very complicated. Don't understand. It's like offering one into the other. Alright. So let me not confuse you over here. So if you really want to know sometime in the future I will give you an idea about how this is done. On the path of ascent. The progressing living entity enters the different worlds of fire, the sun, the day, the end of the day, bright fortnight, full moon, passing of the sun in the north along with the presiding demigods. When he enters Brahma Loka, he enjoys life for millions of years and finally his material designation comes to an end. He then comes to a subtle designation from which he attains casual designation, witnessing all previous states. Upon the annihilation of the casual state, he attains the pure state in which he identifies with the super soul. In this way, the living entity becomes transcendental. Now this is... Like starting from kindergarten and then going to become a PhD, it's a very simple one by one, 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 one. It's a process you have to follow. But there is a shortcut. Shortcut is devotion, and not, no process is required. You don't need graduation. Also, see that devotion. Devotion say all things are cancelled out. So don't worry about all these things. This is basically for a brahmana person who wants to reach that state where he wants to merge in the Divine Lord. The gradual process of elevation of self-realization is meant for those who are truly aware of the Absolute Truth. That means those who follow the Brahma path, path of the Brahma, Brahmanas, for them only. After repeated birth on this path, one is known as Devayana. One attains these consecutive stages, one who is completely free from all the material desires being situated in the self, Needs not traverse the path of repeated birth and death even though situated in the material body one who is fully aware of the path known as mitrayana and devayana and thus open their eyes in terms of vedic knowledge is never bewildered in the material world in the material path you know when we are going up 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 there is a path which goes towards gods there is a path which goes towards their deities so whichever path that you go on you can follow that path and go towards that particular domain the aeons and the archons and all those kind of stuff, okay? so You can go backward or forward, whichever way you want, this side, that side, but left or right, don't you After all the earth is round, no? Either you start, udhar will come, you will come, you will come, round, you will come. End of the day, you will still be here only. <laughs> One who exists internally and externally at the beginning on the end of everything and all living beings as that which is enjoyable and thus enjoyer of everything, superior and inferior is the supreme truth. He always exists as knowledge and the object of knowledge and expression and the object of understanding as darkness and light. He thus the supreme Lord is everything. People think that the material being is not the Lord, that human beings cannot be, that in this world God is not in everything. God is in everything, God has become everything. So don't worry about where He is or what He is. Even a nature, even the way it behaves, even the birds, the animals, everything is a form of the Lord only. Alright? You should understand this. Although one may consider the reflection of the sun from a mirror to be false, it has a factual existence. Accordingly, to prove by speculative knowledge that there is no reality would be extremely difficult. See many a times you know we think that this body is unreal, body is unreal, body is unreal, we keep on saying this, no? Sir, that is one way of trying to reach reality. This is another way. Don't don't say no to this body also. Body is a pathway to reaching God. So don't misuse it and don't say something bad about the body also. It's given, it's a vehicle. A vehicle to go from one place to the other. Without vehicle can you go? No, no. So the vehicle is important, the body is important, the mind is important, it is going to take you towards God only. In this world there are five elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, but the body is not a reflection of them, nor a combination or transformation of them, because the body and its ingredients are neither distinct nor amalgamated, all such theories are insubstantial. So people who say the body is an illusion, body is an illusion, they are talking bullshit and nonsense. See, for a certain brahmana, for the path which he needs to be followed, for them it is okay. They can follow that path. But, for material person understand, the body is real. It is composed of parts. Parts are made up of God only. Don't worry. Because the body is formed of five elements, it cannot exist without the subtle sense objects. Therefore, since the body is false, the sense objects are naturally false or temporary. And this is how they look at it. Okay, When a substance and its parts are separated, the acceptance of similarity between one and the other is called illusion. While dreaming, one creates a separation between existence and wakefulness and sleep. It is in such a state of mind that the regulative principles of the scriptures consisting of injunctions and prohibitions are recommended. For those people who follow this kind of an intellectual path, for them this kind of thing is recommended. Please know that. Alright? After considering the oneness of existence, activity and paraphernalia and after realizing the self to be different from all the actions and reactions, the mental speculator Muni, according to his own realization, gives up three states of wakefulness, dreaming, and sleep. When one understands that results and causes are one and that duality, one and that duality is ultimately unreal. Like the idea that the threads of a cloth are different from the cloth itself, one reaches the conception of oneness called Bhadvatvaitha. Bhavat, Advaita. So my dear Yudhishthir Partha When all the activities one performs in the mind That means you have to understand that Everything is God God is like you know a cloth The cloth is made up of those Vap and the weft you know both this When you look at the vap and the weft They are nothing but threads Thread is nothing but cotton Or whatever other thing Polyester whatever it is So end of it Even if it looks full It's not full you know that no so, this is an illusion created in this material world. state, when all the activities one performs with the mind, words and bodies are dedicated directly for activities of Supreme Personality of Godhead, one reaches oneness of activities called Kriya Dvaita. When the ultimate goal and the interest of oneself, one's wife, one's children, one's relative and other embodied living beings is one, that is called Dravya Dvaita or oneness of interest. When you work towards one particular goal for your wife, for your children, for your this, for your that, you know, that is Dravya. means money and things that are there in this more material world. In these normal conditions in the absence of danger, O King Yudhishthir, a man should perform his prescribed activities according to the status of life with things, endeavours, practices, processes and living places that are not forbidden for him and not by any other means. So the normal human being can follow a particular path as laid down by the Vedas. O King, one should perform his occupational duties according to these instructions as well as other instructions given in the Vedic literature just to remain a devotee of Lord Krishna. Thus, even while at home, one will be able to reach the destination. Those who are in the grass ashram, they need not go to some uh, jungles and stuff like that and try to become somebody else. Don't. You can be where you are and reach God also. There is no, no worries. Don't You don't have to put orange clothes and then you are going to meet God. No. There is no uniform, God's uniform, by the way. So God's uniform is you only. This body is God's uniform. So don't bother about it. O king you disturbed. because of your service of the Supreme Lord, all of you Pandavas defeated the greatest dangers posed by numerous kings and demigods by serving the lotus feet of Krishna. You conquered great enemies who were the elephants and thus you conquered ingredients by sacrifice. By his grace may you be delivered from material involvement. Long long ago, in another Mahakalpa, I existed in, as a Gandharva known as Upabharana. What is that? Upabharana. I was very respected by other Gandharvas. He is telling one story. He was a Gandharva. I had a beautiful face and pleasing attractive body structure. Decorated with flowers, garlands and sandalwood. But I was most pleasing to the women in the city. Thus I was bewildered, always feeling lusty desires. Who is talking? Narada. He was having all these kind of things also. Okay. Once there was a Sankirtana festival to follow the Supreme Lord in an assembly of demigods. And the Gandharvas and Apsaras were invited by the prajapatis to take part. So... During that time, what happened? Uh, You muted, please. During that time, what happened? There was a great feast given by the gods, deities. So, at that point in time, he was also called. Narada, when he was a Gandharva, was also called. There were Apsaras, also beautiful women over there, and he was also there. Narada Muni continued, Being invited to the festival, I also joined, and surrounded by women, I began musically singing the glories of demigods. Because of this, the Prajapatis, the great demigods in charge of the affairs of the universe, forcefully cursed me with these words. Because you have committed an offense, you will immediately be born as a shudra devoid of beauty. So, Narada also got cursed. <laughs> Although I took birth as a shudra from the womb of a maid servant. I engaged in the service of Vaishnava's well-versed in Vedic knowledge. Consequently, in this life, I got the opportunity to take the birth as a son of Lord Brahma. The process of chanting, the holy name of the Lord is so powerful that by chanting even householders can easily gain the ultimate results achieved by the persons in the renounced order. Maharaj yudhishthira I have now explained to you the process of religion. So you can also do Japa. By Japa also, your mind will be focused in that one place, so you will reach God. My dear Yudhishthira, you Pandavas are so fortunate in this world that many many great saints who can purify All the planets of this universe come to your house like an ordinary visitor. Furthermore, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna is living confidently with you in your house just like a brother. How wonderful it is that Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Parabrahma Krishna, who is served by great great sages for the sake of liberation and transcendental bliss, is acting as your best well-wisher. Your friend, your cousin, your heart and soul, your worshipable director and your spiritual master. So, he is saying, see, Krishna is there with you. He is there in all these forms. Present here now, is the same Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose true form cannot be understood even by such great personalities, as Lord Shiva or Lord Brahma. He is realized by devotees because of unflinching surrender. May the same personality of Godhead who is the maintainer of his devotees and who is worshipped by silence, by devotional service and by cessation of material activities, be pleased with us. So he is just saying the final prayer to him. Sukhdev Goswami said, Maharaj Ubi State, the best member of the Bharat dynasty, thus learned everything from the description of Narad Muni. After hearing these instructions, he felt great pleasure from within the heart and in great ecstasy, love and affection, he worshipped Lord Krishna. Narad Muni, being worshipped by Krishna and Maharaj Ubi State, bade them farewell and went away. Yudhishthira Maharaj having heard that Krishna, his cousin, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, was struck with wonder. On all the planets, naturally, he is struck with wonder because he doesn't know that Krishna was the true Supreme Parabrahma there. On all the planets within this universe, the varieties of living entities, moving and non-moving, including the demigods, demons and human beings, are all generated from the daughters of Maharaj Daksha. I have now described them in their different dynasties. So this whole thing has now come to an end. Knowing that Krishna stays with you, don't worry about anything. You will always have to be devoted to him and be happy in the way things are moving along. So we have come to the end of this particular chapter. We can stop over here.